Hey guys, E. Willie here. Just want to give you a couple quick updates. Um, you're, I'm sure you've noticed by now our beginning of our podcast start out pretty clear and sound good. And then we go to the interview, it's just the guest that sounds clear. Uh, we're, we have an issue with our equipment. We're getting a part replaced real soon. So you should start hearing our episode sound clear on both ends. So we apologize for that. Thanks for sticking it through with us. We really appreciate it. It's only going to get better from here. Uh, quick congratulations to my sister and new brother-in-law. They just got married recently. And uh friend of the show, Jason Acuna, wee man, he just got engaged to his lady. Congratulations to both of those couples. I'm a little under the weather right now. I'm sure you can tell with my voice. But I uh, hope your week starts off better than mine. I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. Monica Perez uh, hosts the Propaganda Report podcast, which you can find on all your platforms. It's a really good show. It's shorter than ours, and it's uh, quick, good information that you can get your real news from and not have to hear all the biased bullshit from CNN or Fox News. Um, and they do a great job with the show. So check that out. Subscribe to it. Show them some love. All right, guys, that's all I'm going to tell you for now. We'll start the show. Hopefully you guys enjoy Monica Perez. She's a very sharp, intellectual, lovely lady. So enjoy that. Go support her and enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. Are you ready to go into the rabbit hole? We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Quantum theory, it is the most bizarre theory ever proposed in the history of science. There are some of us who can leave our body. But from other dimensions, they pop in and out. The affirmative task we have now is to actually um, create a... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Truth or Theory podcast. Your hosts, JP and E. Willie. Welcome to the podcast, Monica. Hey, guys. Good to have you on. And we've been listening to the Propaganda Report, uh, your podcast. It's very interesting. A lot of good information. And I like that it's not real long. Uh, you got about a 35 to 45 minute episode average, it looks like. It's a yeah, very at the most. Yeah, it's like a convenient amount of time. You can get good information and go about your day. And we try to do it every day, kind of up to the minute so that you don't feel like you have to listen to like the regular mainstream media just to be like armed for dinner conversation with your like two liberal mother-in-law or something. <laughs> <laughs> or unwoke mother-in-law is more like it. Yeah. So what, what got you into podcasting and starting the propaganda report? Well, I had until Saturday, I had a terrestrial radio show for eight and a half years in Atlanta called the Monica Perez Show. And that I really do believe that it was killed by the coronavirus, to be honest with you, because Atlanta's where the CDC is. And I just think I went too far in kind of pulling back the curtain on that one. And uh, so I only had a weekend show ever. And then I just had so much material and also the, you just not because like the where I was working was telling me to pull punches, but the regular kind of audience that's driving their kids to soccer is not the same audience that can take like the deeper insights into what's really happening. You have to kind of be like, all right, they're after your rights. This story's not real. And like it takes a long time to kind of tease it out to people as they're driving around. So I wanted a forum where I could kind of 
really share the insights in kind of rapid fire, real time on the current events. So my producer on the radio show became my co-host on the podcast. And it's really, I think it's, it's, it was a much needed thing because I've always been looking for a source that pulls away the propaganda and just tells you what the facts are and maybe what it really means. So I decided to do it. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. It's, it's a fun show. I like it. Yeah, you and your uh, co-host. What, what's his name Binkley again? Brad Binkley. Yeah, I'm drawing, a, I'm drawing a blank on his name. He does a good job as well. You guys have a good chemistry together. Yeah, it's really fun. It's enjoyable, whereas the terrestrial show is like super stressful because I could get calls and most people didn't like what I had to say. So that's great listening. Everybody loves that. Somebody calls and is mean to you and you have to defend yourself or you could be mean to them. But I'm not really mean. So I was just like completely stressed out all the time. And it was good because I could usually handle it. Like, forget it. If a troll called me, it was actually pretty fun to listen to because they never could go deep enough. Yeah. their scripts or whatever so that was fun but it was stressful whereas the podcast is just basically all fun yeah you can and on the podcast is nice because you can really say whatever you want it's like the the true freedom to uncensored you can radio yeah you know but i was taken down from wordpress i was um i got a strike on youtube like i'm worried that the next especially because of the agenda for coronavirus i'm a little worried that podcasting is going to start getting deplatformed as well over the next year maybe Mm. oh that would be terrible yeah, be. I know. I, I do not have a good record, so I will try not to say any trigger words for you, but you might want to go back and just bleep, bleep anything out that you think will trigger a censor. It's terrible. No, we love know. it. Somebody's following. Say it all. Say it all. We love it. Yeah. We're, okay. <laughs> we're part of the resistance. Yeah. <laughs> we will not stand for it. Speak freely on this podcast. Okay, fair enough. I always do that. And then sometimes, you know, I, I read these comments. They're like, what the hell are you trying to get this guy thrown off the air? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not afraid. I guess I should be afraid considering I keep getting, I'm just staying one step ahead of him. I don't know why I'm not afraid. Yeah, I, you're the perfect kind of person that is a good example that needs to be on a podcast too. This, um, You have a lot of information. You're good at speaking. And I have to make a confession, too. When I was listening to your, your podcast, getting more familiar with you, uh, our friend of the show, Paul Hudson, uh, actually recommended the show to me and asked me to book you on the show because he was such a fan of yours. Oh, that's so awesome. I really appreciate that. I think a lot of that like uh, easy to listen to kind of thing came from all those years that I was trained by a, a really a master radio guy. And WSB was just a great place to learn. And I feel like okay, maybe I was a little too hot for terrestrial radio, but I mean, not like physically, who knows? I have a, (laughs) you don't know. I try to protect that image, but what I was saying was probably too hot for terrestrial. But what they taught me was it, it was adaptable to podcasting. And I think it makes it easier to listen to. They tell you things like keep it pithy, like real short and to the point, like they really taught me a lot and I try to bring it to the podcast. So I really appreciate the positive feedback because it's been a lot of years in the making, even though the podcast is only about six months old. Yeah, you're doing a great job. I, I was listening to a few of them and I was my first uh, take on it after uh, my buddy Paul told me to listen to it. I was like, man, she's very informative, but she talks way too fast. And then about 20 minutes into it, I realized my 
my setting was on uh, fast forward by one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Cause I was going to say, dude, I, I don't think I can do it any other way. <laughs> oh, that would be tough. Most yeah, people you right. can, <laughs> it was probably set like that because most people you can do that with. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that happened that way. Oops, and you never noticed it before. It was probably like that your whole life. And I was the first person who <laughs> made it a problem. No, it, it was uh, it was just just happened on your uh, podcast. I switched it over on accident. And I don't know how I did that fumbling around with my phone, but I was like, man, she's sharp. But damn, she talks quick. <laughs> I fast talking New Yorker. And then I set it down to the correct setting. I was like, oh, wow, this is a great podcast. I'm an idiot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Whereas Pete Raymond, whatever, Mance, Raider, can't, I don't know, Pete Quinones, the libertarian podcaster out of Atlanta, he he actually says he listens to me on purpose at like one and a half times. I mean, I think that's pretty intense. Oh, really? No. I can't, I can't even imagine it. In that quick. <laughs> I'm not sharp enough for that. <laughs> I got to put it on the slow-mo so I can take it down and write notes. There you go. I do that too. Let it sink in. So what can you tell us about the coronavirus? You have quite a few episodes on it for our listeners that need to go check out the propaganda report and yeah. uh, get more intel. But for our listeners, can you give us some some nuggets to teach us yeah. about? It? Yeah, let me tell you. So the reason we have covered it so often is that it's unfolding in a way that's just amazing. Like if you know people who think, oh, sh- She's crazy. They're crazy. There's no such thing as conspiracy. People don't get together. There's no plan. There's no agenda. Who are they? Us and them. This is, to me, the perfect demonstration of who they are. In this case, the they are the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Johns Hopkins, with the cooperation of the World Health Organization, the CDC, the UN, NBC, Johnson and Johnson, a lot of people I can just rattle off. But what they did, this is why it's so fascinating, is that in October of 2019, October 18th in New York, those organizations got together. It was hosted by the World Economic Forum, which is the Davos gang. It was uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Johns Hopkins. They hosted this all day thing called Event 201, where they were simulating a novel coronavirus to demonstrate what would happen with a global pandemic and how we could prepare for it. So they went through, uh, they had a bunch of action items or they had a bunch of um, like subcategories of things they wanted to talk about, medical supplies, media, government, cooperation, all of that. And they, what they call like a scenarioed it out. They had fake newscasts and they just showed how it would spread and grow and how, what the response would be. And in the end, they uh, they show that it like killed 65 million people and global stock market went all around the world, went down 20 to 40 percent. GDP declined by 10 percent, which is just a crazy thing to even consider over an 18 month period. And then John Johns Hopkins released at the end of it a seven item call to action of how we should prepare for a pandemic in case this scenario ever were to unfold. Then in November, the exact, I mean, this scenario is so uncannily similar. I have actually never spoke, normally 
I could show you a picture. I have shown people pictures of like fake bullets of a person who was supposed to be killed, like just walking away. People like, I I don't know how bullets work, you know? And I'm like, no, look at it. It's like when I tell people to look at the sky, I'm like, that's not airplane exhaust. They're like, oh yes, it is. Like, it's definitely not. Look at it. Like it's in curlicues. (laughs) They're like, it definitely is. So this is the one thing where not one person I've shown it to has said, yeah, there's a perfectly good explanation for that. They're just like, a holy shit. So, so the so as the months have progressed since November, these the these newscasts and other items from and the action items from event 201 have unfolded in the news around novel coronavirus that was then later changed to COVID-19 as the disease and SARS coronavirus number two as the, the name of the actual virus strain. But what it, but it, I could actually identify as I've been going through this process, but it is so time consuming to go through all the event 201 footage and materials. And just literally I'm going basically line by line to identify in the news I want to play a little game, like take a line from Event 201 and a line from the actual news and see if people can get which one was which. And they're not going to because, I mean, it it, there's really I mean, I could probably just rattle off 20 of them right off the bat. So for me, one of the elements of Event 201 was that conspiracy theories would pose a problem. Conspiracy theories that the UN or Big Pharma or other elite entities were deliberately spreading the virus created a real problem with health authorities being able to combat the virus. People were protesting and that was, so the call to action that was gonna remedy that was suppressing social media, traditional media. In uh, one guy, they invited a guy from Singapore there, I'm sure, just to come up with lines like this, that we should arrest people who do not toe the party line in the media. That so, so I'm seeing these things come out one by one, and as the because the conspiracy theory element was so important to event 201 when i hear the stuff about it being a bioweapon about wuhan having been covered in a in a book dean Kuntz book that their their bioweapons lab is there that us scientists have whatever collaborated with them to make a super strain all that kind of stuff i actually me i personally identify that as this convenient conspiracy theory that they can use but it also validates the danger of the drug, of the virus. So what I think this is, I personally, I am completely open to other people's opinions, but to me, I feel like this is purely a propaganda thing that it's, that there isn't even any, I mean, it's probably a novel coronavirus 2019 because every year a different flu or a different cold, it's a cold, coronavirus is a cold, that every year there is a different cold. That's why you're not immune to colds because you're always getting a different one. So yeah, I'm sure they could identify what it looks like if, you know, to the extent they can identify what any virus really looks like. But I don't really think that if you took year over year illness or pneumonia or whatever, uh, like I think in China, I just looked up randomly 2017, I think 10,000 people a month die of pneumonia in China every year. So I I just don't, I think if you took year over year, I don't really even think it's going to be bigger. I don't really think so. It might be, but I think the whole purpose of this exercise is simply 
the propaganda impact, putting people on that that ship would basically like the Diamond Princess, whether it did act as an incubator or it was just meant to foster this idea that they're incompetent or worse. All of that contributes to what I think is the main purpose of this, which is the panic. And I think there are a couple of reasons for the panic, which I'll tell you after I breathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a, it, it does, we do get a different kind of like a different flu every couple of years. We got swine flu, we got bird flu, we got, you know what I mean? It's something. So I think they can take it and change it up just a little bit. And, and regular flus that aren't even that bad. Like, I don't even know if it's any worse than anything else. I really am not convinced. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't and, seem like it. It seems like it's no no worse than a bad cold or anything. And yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, and I'm thinking that, you know, in the Event 201 live simulation, it said it took 18 months. I think that, and it started in South America, but I think they're going to just... They're going, if you look at a map of where it is, it's only in the Northern hemisphere right now because it's cold and flu season here. I think Mm -hmm. that it will then like kind of all the news will be coming out of the Southern hemisphere for our summer, which is their winter cold and flu season. And then it'll come back here. So it'll look like this 18 month thing, but it, I don't think there's any, I, I mean, I don't even believe like their statistics, but if there were believable statistics, I would first look at the trend over time of flus, colds, pneumonia, death from pneumonia over the past couple of years to see if there's any like shocking statistical increase. Now, I've heard that like a, like 50,000 people have already been cured of this, uh, including a, an old man who was like 96 years old. So I, I don't know if it, if it, if it's just like you said, like a scare tactic or if it's really, I mean, it has killed a lot of people, but so has regular flu. And pneumonia, and it's really just killing people who die of pneumonia anyway. It is just killing the high-risk population for pneumonia. Right. Elderly and young and things like that. It's just, I mean. Yeah, so I'm not worried about it. I I mean, I don't know. This is what happens. I see these things you can't deny. You look at Event 201. There is absolutely no chance you're going to be able to deny that something is weird and that scientists aren't, aren't talking about how the way they're testing for this, they're just using clinical diagnosis, which means they're not actually verifying that it is this particular strain of coronavirus. That's why you'd want to see year over year numbers. I just feel like any real journalist or scientist or whatever should be poking holes in the official narrative and they're not. So you you, you cannot deny that something weird is going on here. Now, I don't know what their plan is. I don't know when they're going to start deviating from Event 201 or being consistent with it. I don't want to jinx it and have something real, really bad happen. But there is something weird about this, and it's coming from the top, and it has agenda items Yeah. purpose. Yeah. Monica, do you think that they'll, since it's not having that bad of a reaction with people, do you think they'll possibly manipulate it, weaponize it more and make it worse just to put that fear in people more? Well, I'll tell you, um, there's a couple of things about that. One is it's actually an essential element of the event 201 simulated coronavirus to that it had mild flu-like symptoms. And what Trump said last night on Hannity kind of plays right into this, which is the reason it's spreading like crazy is that people don't realize they have this particular virus and they're running around, going to work, going to school, 
spreading it, going international travel. They're spreading it. And unbeknownst to them, when it hits a vulnerable person, I mean, I think I even saw a headline that said it affects one race more than another. I don't even know what race it's. I have to go back and read it. But so that it because it's spread like that, everybody's kind of a Corona Mary. They can get it out like that was an essential factor of it. So that's the first thing. But then what you're asking is, would they actually just pump it up to make this thing super real? And Binkley discovered that there was a, a gain of function experiment about five years ago where they looked at a coronavirus and they tried to make it more contagious and more deadly. And this was like a government funded research project. And I believe they succeeded in doing it. If you look at that in the context of the conspiracy theories that are going around, that this is a bioweapon, that it was leaked, that it was genetically engineered it, there, it is possible. So that's the thing. Like, I really don't know how they write these scripts. I don't know what, when predictive programming begin ends and, uh, and the real psyop, begins i don't know but if you want me to explain those terms for the audience i'm happy to do it yeah please do so predictive programming is when they tell you what's going to happen like homeland right now homelands uh this is another thing binkley's a great researcher so this is another thing he found that homeland actually consults with the cia about their plot lines before the season so one thing that they predicted so we predicted it on our show before it was ever in the news was a peace plan with the taliban that would fail so why do they tell us that? I don't know. They tell us to get, I think they tell us to soften our minds up to it so that we accept the narrative as something that's happened before. Like there's been psychological experiments that when something's in your mind, whether it was true or false or fake or real, it feels more plausible because it's already carved a pathway. Or it could be that they're getting you to consent implicitly by not objecting. That's a little more of a, an occult kind of thing. But, and then... So the predictive programming would be like they told us about it with Event 201, which is still on the Internet. And then the PSYOP is a psychological operation where they're doing something for a purpose and it really depends on the psychological impact. And that is, I think, what this is. I think it's such a big effort. Like there aren't too many really huge PSYOPs like this, I think. And I, I believe that it's probably for a very important purpose. And the purpose that I've kind of settled on is that when they kicked the can down the road for the 2008 financial crisis, they they really have nowhere to go. They kept interest rates very low for a long time. Interest rates are back down to 1%. And we're, I mean, it's debatable, but we're well into the, the final years of an expansion if previous kind of paradigms are to hold. And where would they go? Normally, the market corrects or the we go into recession and they lower interest rates by an average of 5% over the next two years, but our interest rates are at 1%. So if they're what I consider to be faulty economic model, because they're Keynesians and I'm, I prefer Austrian economics as more accurate and more moral and gives less power to the top, but, uh, and reflects what people really do that they, that they have to cover their paradigm. And so by blaming it on something else, I thought they were going to blame it on Trump and the trade war and all that. This inevitable, like, final reckoning of the 2008 financial crisis, this could be what they're doing. I mean, the markets are just really freaking out. And that's what was in Event 201. It was in a fake newscast, like, markets are roiling, volatility is at an all-time high. 
And I think maybe they're just using it to give themselves cover for that, what that would be a, what if they were going to, if there was a crash afoot anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's other agenda items too. And, and well, you, you do see a lot of that stuff is actually happening, like with the, the Dow crash and, uh, oh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Like a lot of companies are shutting down, like Apple yes. is shut down right now, things like that. It's, I mean, it's. Yes. And this stuff was all yeah. led by the biggest globalist companies out there, like Facebook and Apple led the charge, Starbucks, all the stuff, all the companies that have come up many times in my research and my show as kind of being on the forefront of psyops of psychological operations of doing things that aren't really in their shareholders interest, but seem more to be like a serving a political agenda. And they were a lot of these companies that kind of fostered the panic, even, even the cruise lines carnival, that guy had some funny backstory. Somebody sent to me seemed like he might be a cooperator in the, uh, in the scam. But I thought when I first read it, I thought that, because there are seven, seven uh, call action items on the call to action that's supposed to come out of this, including like I thought the number one thing was going to be that they wanted to, they wanted to suspend or modify or have an emergency um, uh, protocol for suspending legal liability and regulatory controls over experimental vaccines. They wanted to get them to be mass produced quickly at what they called population level quantities so that they could get them everywhere to everyone at once through global supply and distribution chains. They wanted to teach workers how to learn how to work in hazmat uniforms. This was all in the event 201 thing. And I figured that was a big part of it because Johnson and Johnson and other medical companies were in on this thing mm -hmm. and it works for them. And they targeted the anti-vaxxer in the event to a one thing. They were like, you know, anti-vaxxing is really creating a problem for the healthcare institutions. And uh, we it would be good to be able to crack down on them because they could really get in the way if we're trying to force people to get vaccines, basically. I mean, she didn't say that, but that's what they're talking about. Uh, I, I, see, I never even put those two together with, with all that anti-vax that's going on right now and then. It's like, let's put this out because we need people to buy vaccines. That's, wow. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So much anti-vax stuff out there that they're just in a panic about. And then a couple of things came across my screen uh, that I noticed there was a World Health Organization. I don't know if it was a symposium or what. And they were talking about how, like, it's kind of like a crisis in the vaccines because they, I didn't know this about vaccines, and now I do, that they put these things in them. They used to put mercury, now it's aluminum. They're called adjuvants. And mm -hmm. what they do is they kind of like make your uh, adapted, adaptive immune system like hyper-receptive to yeah. the microbes that's in the vaccine. And some people really have a terrible systemic collapse basically from that flashpoint not everybody but some people do it so i always wondered it's like why don't they just take the aluminum out so this world health organization thing was saying you know vaccines don't work without that stuff what are we going to do and then 
don't know if you've heard of Dr. Shiva. I just heard of him. That's his first name. Dr. Shiva is his first name. But he, he's been making the rounds. He's an MIT guy, which makes me suspicious, of course. But he says he, he's like vaccines have never really been tested for the negative side effects like that with any kind of rigor, like on the general population. They don't really even know. So they need to test it. And sometimes when people tell me they just, you know, are looking for testing that I feel like maybe this guy is a limited hangout. He's giving me this information so that I get behind this massive policy where they spend a bunch of money. They say it's okay, And then they force everybody to get the vaccine, which they're basically Mm -hmm. doing anyway. But I but I do feel like just before this happened, I saw a couple of really damning official things, this World Health Organization and the MIT guy, where they made it very clear that vaccines have a big problem, and that's that they are absolutely have to have the stuff in them that can be so bad for some people. Right. Yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And I mean, but if it's like the key ingredient, where where do you roll the dice on it? You know, Do do you roll the dice on getting vaccinated and being okay? Or do you Pull the dice on whatever's going to happen to you. I feel like this is the first time I really got like a lot of letters against me when I was on terrestrial radio. I I say almost everything. And I really, I try not to super, super upset people like that. You don't want to do that. But I don't really hold anything back. But the one time I had people uh, kind of pepper the station with hate mail is when I said I, I, I questioned, I got my kids, all my kids are fully vaccinated. They have like 48 vaccinations each. And uh, I was kind of rethinking that a little bit. It was too late, but I was like, they found out after I gave my kids the chickenpox vaccine, I think, that it doesn't give you lifelong immunity to chickenpox. And I was like, well, chickenpox isn't deadly. Uh, why don't I just let my kids get it at a, as kids and then they would be immune to it forever. That would be awesome. And uh, people got really mad. And and my what I was thinking was that if if you're not in a high risk category of dying of something or really being permanently dis- debilitated by it, then I don't I don't think a vaccine is really even good for you. Like it's actually better for you to battle microbes. It's better for like the first immune system, and then there's like a second immune system, according to some Donald Miller, I think Dr. Donald Miller, who I read this on Lou Rockwell said that like the secondary immune system is what could be responsible for fighting cancer. And if you don't generate these tiers of immune response through childhood fevers, for example, you, we do, and we really don't know. That's what Shiva was saying. We really don't know later, you know, decades later, what the impact is on the population of stuff that hasn't been tested that way. So I just thought, well, you know, whatever. What's so bad about the measles? Boy, geez. They want to put you in jail for saying stuff like that, literally. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the controversial side of vaccines for sure, personally. Uh, I'm not I, even I, an I'm, anti-vaxxer. I'm, I'm I just, for, yeah, so. I'm on the vaccine side. I, I like the idea of the vaccines, but I, I feel like you should pick and choose them. Like you said, like the chicken pox, I think the kids should just get the chicken pox and you're good to go. But, I mean, if you're talking about measles and mumps and things like that, those are more serious. Those Those could really kill you. Measles? I don't want that spreading around. Chicken pox is chicken pox. I had them. Yeah, me I too. A lot of people have had them, you know. And but it just should be optional. Yeah. I mean, this thing, what Shiva was saying is like, if you make the argument that the herd 
requires it because there's some people who are vulnerable and you're not allowed to like be out there as a free rider. He said, arguably, people who are vulnerable to vaccines is a much greater number. Mm-hmm. So to, to require it, you're actually making a choice for somebody else who might you don't know that could be you could be making the wrong if it's a social, a societal balance question, you might actually be making the wrong choice. OK, yeah, I, I can see that side of it. So you kind of have to have the health freedom, I think, yeah. but I'm a libertarian. Right. I, I, yeah, I can see that side of it. I understand that. OK. But I mean, I'm a libertarian, so I just I. I am always erring on the side of liberty. And in these health issues, a lot of times libertarians are targeted because it's one of those things. Well, what would the libertarian do? Yeah. Yeah. Monica, you uh, on your podcast, I'm not sure what episode it was, but y'all touched on um, them getting away from the currency that of money that we have now to make it all digital uh, and this kind of stuff leading into that for world yeah. domination type stuff leading into New World Order type thing is was what I gathered from it. Can you touch on that and and explain that to us more? Yeah, I think I, I, there this this thing, the coronavirus, serves many many purposes, has many agenda items. It reminded me of of uh, the report from Iron Mountain, which is this thing from the '60s. It was. It's like 80, 90 pages. It was a New York Times bestseller. It was supposedly true. It was, I think, in retrospect, it was basically true. But what it was, it was a report that said on the the possibility and desirability of peace. And it talked about how war serves a multitude of purposes in keeping the hierarchy in place, keeping the people in line, keeping national borders intact, all of that. I always wondered why they cared about national borders, but I guess they, until they can get their world government in their control, I guess they care about that. But in, in any case, they, so I haven't seen anything, I guess climate change is, is one of the things they kind of hinted at in that, that would, could be a substitute for war for all those purposes. This coronavirus seems to be doing that from like massive amounts of funding to uh, little things like, getting people to accept surveillance and using saying that money is dirty and spreads germs and then fostering a cashless society, which they basically impose. I have a Swedish friend they and they were like hated credit cards because they used to suffer from credit card fraud, which we never really did the way other countries have. We were always kind of insured by it. That's how our credit cards worked. But theirs didn't. So they didn't like they liked cash. And it was basically imposed upon them they, they very quickly to kind of have a cashless society. And I know people like Bitcoin. I'm, I'm not I, I'm no student of that. I don't dabble in it or trade in it. But I do object to a cashless society because two things. One is it's complete monitoring all the time. So you can't. So if there are things that are prohibited like, um, like, I don't know, drugs, you want to buy drugs, which you have every right to buy. God gave us stuff that grows in the backyard that, you know, is good. And if it grows in somebody else's backyard better, you know, it's health and healing and it's holistic and it's outrageous. People are like for gun rights, but not drug rights. I'm like, 
the guns actually had to have an intervening step. Like the drugs came directly from God and it's the taking them away or nature, however you want to look at it, taking them away creates these intervening steps where then all of a sudden you have these like non-nature drugs when we should have said it makes me absolutely crazy. So you should be able to buy drugs and you really are not going to be able to do that. If you have a cashless site, you're not going to be able to buy anything that's prohibited. And I don't believe in prohibited things. So that I don't like. Um, the taxation elements of it. So if you wanted to uh, pay somebody for something and I mean, I, taxation is theft. You don't want to steal from them or ha let them steal from you on behalf of the government by paying the taxes. You can't do that. You can't pay them in cash for anything. You'd have to like right. start bartering. And right. then, That's and then the example. other thing, say it again. That's a good example. Yeah. And then the, and the last thing is I just discovered this. I discovered it several times recently to my horror that after 9-11, they passed a law that people that if somebody has the numbers that's on the bottom of your check, like the check, a personal check that you write, if anybody has those numbers and goes to the bank and demands the money, they give it. Really? I'm not kidding you. A, 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 a gym did it. Somebody defrauded me out of money by taking a check like that and getting a gym membership, which I didn't notice for a really long time because it just automatically drafted out of my account. It wasn't a big number. And then the IRS did it the other day. I was, I was trying to pay my taxes. So I wrote them a check. I sent it in. And, and the check nearly bounced because the IRS had already taken it directly out of my account because they had my check from last year. And I went freaking bananas at the bank. And they were like, after 9-11, they don't want money to stop flowing. And this was a big part of Event 201. They don't want money to stop flowing. So if you have no way... If all of your money is digital, it can be accessed like that. And there was something, I don't know if it actually happened or if it was just rumored to be happening. I don't remember. I think it was in Ireland where they were going to take everybody's 401ks and convert them to government treasuries because the government was basically going bankrupt. <clears throat> they were just going to convert it all or make it like 401ks could only be whatever they call the 401ks over there. But I mean, you could wake up. I Maybe it happened in Italy. I don't know. But you could wake up. Theoretically, it's probably on the books already. And your money could just be converted to government money. You know, I just, I did not like the digital money thing. Yeah, one time I woke up and my E-Trade account had one line that I had stock in. It was not much, but it was something. And I was zero. Stock was gone. It just said zero. And I got a notice like, oh, there was a glitch. It sold it. It'll come back eventually. But when it came back, it had lost money and it was just cash. And I, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. It was nothing. But I was like, gosh, it can just freaking blink out like that. Yeah, that's you can't do that. that. <laughs> they're doing it and they're going to do it. That's what I worry about. Like they, this is what if you look at what China's doing with the coronavirus, they can do stuff like this. Like they are going bananas. They're sending drones to people's houses I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Have, have you seen those videos where they're, they're snatching people off the streets and from their homes and stuff like that? I have not been watching the videos. I tend to avoid low-hanging fruit. If somebody's feeding me something to be outraged about or as a conspiracy, I just try to keep my mind out of that. A lot of other people do it and they tell me about it and that's great. But I just I try to like always examine what's happening rationally and not. It just it's too influential. I try even not to listen to like analytical or like opinion oriented podcasts because I don't I want to make sure that I'm thinking it through. But I do hear that they're outrageous.
Yeah, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. I like that. Yeah, I just tried to do it because I could never listen to the radio when I was on the radio. And I would tell my boss, like, am I supposed to be listening to Hannity? I'll tell you, I did like Rush, though. Rush will tell you what they're up to because he's one of them. So yeah. if he says it, I'm like, oh, that's happening. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So I'll do it for that reason. But I, I try other than that. I don't want to be influenced. Yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. Do you have uh, any conspiracies outside of uh, the the rational stuff that you're interested in? Something that's not not rational. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah basically, like, like like aliens. You're flat. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. Real yeah. far conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I have never been able to get my mind around that interdimensional beings, although I'm pretty open to the existence of Jesus, who's an interdimensional being. So I don't know why <laughs> I'm worried about that. It's something different. But I'll tell you the one thing that is really, if you're going to ask that, really interesting to me, really interesting, is this idea of like frequencies or like electrical energy, this that there's positive and negative, that, that this is like a real force that we're just either not told about or they're not studying it, but that it has power, healing power, positive power, energy. No, not ringing a bell. Oh yeah. Um, I've looked into that a little bit. It's that stuff is way over my head, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't really look into it, but I like, like, uh, I'll listen to the higher side chat sometimes and it's not it's because it's a podcast that really does not have any bearing on the stuff that I think about. And some of it I just I can't click with. But the frequency stuff, because because people always ask me, like, I think I'm very cheerful, but I think like the way I approach what's going on in the world is kind of depressing because I really do not think that we're getting out of it within the paradigm. I don't think we're using you know, I want to kick the can down the road by def defending the Bill of Rights. I will do that. And and whatever. Who knows what's, what's going to come up when it collapses? I don't know. But I can't really give people a lot of hope like, oh, the libertarians are going to win and fix everything. Like, I just don't think that. But I do. I do think that focusing on this stuff is probably pretty stupid because I mean, I, I, I don't want to die and I don't like discomfort and I love, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get caught in this very real battle for power on earth, but I feel like a lot of it has to do with our consent and our, our, our openness to it. Like, like this energy thing or that this coronavirus is a, is it maybe purely a propaganda device? So so what does that mean? It means that we have all the power in our minds and how do you control it by having like some grounding in your soul that you can't let them scare you because your loss of creature comforts or something. And I just, I feel like if we could take that to another level and say, you know what, don't let them frame the argument in material terms and, and don't let them, you know, don't fight fire with fire, like fight fire with love or, good vibes. You know, I, I know it sounds a little crazy, but I, that if you're going to ask me what's like kind of outside the realm of the strictly rational, I have, I I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about like more, like more rational conspiracies, like, uh, uh, like project blue beam or like mind control, MK ultra, things like that, that 
the government could possibly do that's not completely what is which one is project blue beam project blue beam is like a conspiracy where the government is going to scare the people into like a new world order where they put like they aluminum into the atmosphere and then all of a sudden they project like a, an all-seeing god and then, oh yeah 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 yes i i heard that first time i ever heard that was like 30 years ago as a um i was in hollywood for some reason like i just knew somebody i don't know what maybe with my family i can't even remember and uh it was a movie plot it was a yeah. movie idea somebody was throwing around and the and the big ending was going to be that it's like Jesus up in the sky, and then he drinks a Coke. Yeah, it's a Coke ad. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Um, MK Ultra. I am reading, and I know that this got like somehow like shot across my screen because somebody put it there. But uh, Ted Kaczynski's technological slavery, which is basically his manifesto in book form. And he, I believe, was an MK Ultra. He was the Unabomber. You guys are probably too young to remember the Unabomber. But he was an MK Ultra subject. He was, I think, the youngest person ever to get into Harvard. And they did all that. But I'll tell you. Uh, so I found that interesting. But uh, the, as far as like a real thing that people are reporting and that it's there could be witnesses and all that, have you ever? This is super dark. Super dark. Uh, but have you ever heard of the human human hunting parties? I have heard of that, but I don't know a lot about it. They cut somebody really... in the woods and give them a head start and track <laughs> yeah. them down? Yes. And, uh, and I hadn't really thought much about it. I just dismissed it. And then I saw like an hour and a half interview of a young, of a, a middle-aged wow. woman, maybe from Belgium or something. I can't remember. And she was just, it was so convincing like there's like I, i've never i'm i'm never convinced by that kind of stuff even if it's true i probably eliminate half of the true ones because i just don't buy it but this was really convincing and she said that when she was a kid i think it was her family her father something like that and her sister and other kids were literally like stripped naked they had to like run away. I don't know if they were killed or raped or whatever, but people who wouldn't do it. And they were like cardinals there, princes, and the people who wouldn't do it were killed. So they either had you doing it and evidence of that, or you were not in the club. And I just felt like if, if you, if we knew the truth about that, we would, it would really reveal about the power structure in the world, how it works, who's in it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's completely true. I mean, if you can, if you can human traffic and this and that, and why, why wouldn't you be able to find a group that would cut somebody loose in the woods and you can hunt them down? I, I feel like it's completely possible. And it would make sense Maybe. as, as an ultra elite thing, because I think at some point the ultra elite, ultra elite, you know, what else is there to achieve? Like what else is there to do, but to like defy all your sensibilities and get away with it. Oh yeah. That's what it all, that's, that's what it all comes down to is that, that these uh, sex trafficking things that they do, the pedophilia rings, all, all that is all power trips that are just stems from evil. Yeah. I, I, I that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if it's actual evil or, 
if they just like their occultism, the Satanism, the Luciferianism. I mean, there's evidence of that stuff. There's it's not like made up. I mean, Parsons, the UN has a chapel that's like, I think, Luciferian. It's really weird. So I don't know if they mean it or if they are just using it to control the hierarchy itself, to control the elite itself. But I think there's plenty of evidence that that kind of stuff does go on up there. Yeah. My take on it is that it's, it is basically good versus evil to, to dumb it down. And these acts are just these guys at the highest uh, stature are just weak puppets basically being being uh, used and abused by evil to do these kind of acts because they just lost all their damn morals. And that would actually support my idea, my hope that really like the earthly battleground, whether you want to think of it as kind of interdimensional or woo woo or energy or God or whatever, that the earthly battleground I always come down to thinking it's it is an individual test. It's an individual test of courage, of commitment to moral principle. And and that's how you have to look at it, because if you look at it as winning the battle, I don't think that it's. I don't I, I don't have a lot of hope for that. And, and I think C.S. Lewis said that it is not for us to win this battle. Yeah, that makes sense. So. And that that makes it easier to actually live like that, too. And, and with that mindset, you can just be a good person. And, and if them. everybody did it, it would conquer the world, actually. Yeah. yeah. If everybody just did it, like, that's why I like Tolstoy. Tolstoy was a spiritualist anarchist. He said governments are dedicated to war, even the ones that call themselves Christian. But Christ would not. This is completely not consistent with Christ's message, which would have done away with all of this. And I actually think I'm really not that religious. I'm a practicing Catholic, but like, I'm so intellectual. Like that's the way I operate. That's very hard for me to think I'm going to have a conversation after I'm dead and my brain is rotting and I'm going to know my name and people are going to call. I cannot get my mind around that, but I do, you know, I, I don't give up. I plug along and I try to keep that as a touchstone. And I, I think, I think of, Jesus's message as being largely, if not mainly, this like, don't do the in-group, out-group thing. Like the whole story of the Good Samaritan, which I think was maybe his most important parable, like you really can't, you have to just kind of love everybody. You cannot have this thing that that's, you know, the elite or the, or the plebes or nation states. I mean, I just think it was all about that, like, overcoming these institutional categories, classifications, teams, overcoming the team. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know, you don't want to go down that road because it sounds like, uh, like you know, it's, it's very hard to even talk about anything just even speculatively about you know, the stuff that's kind of outside the realm of pure rational thought. I spent like basically all of my time in the realm of pure rational thought, but a girl needs hope. Yeah, <laughs> this girl needs hope too. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I spent the majority of my life being, I guess you could say, a non-denominational Christian. And um, as I get older, man, I'm really struggling um, with my faith. I still strongly believe there's a higher power there, but I'm, I'm like torn between 
Jesus Christ and it all just being a simulation because it's just there's so much stuff of this world that just doesn't add up. Yeah, this is what I, I thought this recently that uh, I was in mass. I go to mass on Sundays and I thought, I don't care what's going on here. Like, I don't if they if they have religion just to keep us all in line, blah, blah, blah. And I don't really care because I know that what I personally am getting out of this and what my kids are getting out of the, the morality that we are kind of committing to is good. It's good. And I mean that like capital G good. It's good. And if they have to give us that, if that's what we get, then, then we are good. And this is, it's, it's worthwhile to stick to that. And like I said to my mother, I was like, I don't know, mom, I'm just too intellectual for this. I'm not crazy about like the, uh, the, the ritual. Like I just, I find it a little difficult to, really be committed, devoted to rituals that if you don't do them right, you're going to hell, you know? And, uh, I said, yeah, I don't, I don't think too much about, you know, the whole intellectual thing. I just, when I was like 19, I just decided it was a better way to live. And I, uh, I just haven't looked back since then. And I was like, you know what, mom, she's straight off the boat. Well, she's not quite off the boat, but she's from Brooklyn, but she, uh, she was right. It's just a better way to live. And, and I looked into it. I'm so intellectual. I looked into it. I was trying to, I'm not saying I'm smart. I just like thought about it, analytical, whatever. So I was looking at like Aristotle. I just was like, did anyone ever make any progress on the question of God? Like, did anyone really figure it out? And I go back and I think there has been no progress made. I think the best line I ever heard was, I think, a yoga sutra thing that said that the question of the existence of God is unanswerable and irrelevant because the answer of whether or not there's an afterlife is the same. Whether whether or not there's an afterlife, the answer to how to live is the same. You must free yourself from desire, from a uh, connection to like a given outcome because it's out of your control and it'll never stop. You'll achieve that. And then you'll have another desire. So you've got to just like get a grip on yourself either way. And I just, I kind of try to do that because I don't think, I don't think you're ever going to get to like the intellectual answer, but I will say if you dig into science enough and you realize like Darwin, read a book called, uh, the case of the midwife toad. It's about a guy, Paul Kammerer, who about in the early 19, 20th century basically disproved Darwin in favor of Lamarck. It's a different guy. So like the whole Darwin thing is mathematically impossible anyway. Like that that random mutation would result in a different species. I'm not saying there isn't evolution on the margin or whatever. I don't know. But but oh, that's super radical thing to say, I realize. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Well, I, I Did I go too about. far? Huh? Say it no, again. no, you can never go too far on here. All right. Well, <laughs> our, so our let's podcast just... is in the rabbit hole, so we go wherever okay. we want. <laughs> yep. right. So, so I think the Darwin thing just is mathematically impossible. Like the number of random mutations that you'd have to get before you had an actual adaptation that could get your family to dominate and wipe out every other family in your species group is just impossible. It's mathematically impossible. And what I think so anyway, that's what I came up with. So like there are things like that, that just don't make sense. Like science does not give us any answers at all that help us understand 
where these these laws came from. Like order cannot come from chaos. That's a scientific principle. Life cannot come from non-life. It's a scientific principle. But they expect us to believe that. So I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree on the Darwin thing. Uh, oh, good. Okay. I call bullshit on it for sure. <laughs> I did. I just, and it's not because I'm like, you know, God created the earth in seven days. Like, I don't know. That could be a yeah. metaphor. Could be. Maybe I'm going to help say that. I don't know. But the Darwin thing doesn't make sense. The um, the idea of it all being a simulation, too. I mean, I go back and forth with this stuff mentally all the time. Um, the, uh, to sum it up, like the overall big picture, it doesn't matter what religion you believe in, all this crap. As long as you're good to you, your people, your family, everyone else. I mean, all this other stuff will play itself out over time. And I think the most important thing is to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And that's a basic tenet of Catholicism, which is why I accept it. People are like, what about these rules? I'm like, the actual only sin is if you do not, you're supposed to inform your conscience, consult your conscience, and follow your conscience. That's the ultimate guide. You don't actually have to do anything else. So that's good enough for me. And But, the, but it's not, it's simple, but it's not easy. It, to me, it is a funny idea that, to entertain just for the imagination side of it that this all is a simulation and it's like one giant video game and this little 15-year-old brat with acne is in control of everything and he's like, you're not going anywhere to the next level until you call me God. <laughs> well, but consciousness, consciousness is like really hard to deny. Yeah. I personally had a lot of weird experiences that I can't even explain. And if I did, it, it would sound like crap anyway. That, like super consciousness? Yeah, that's that justified something, some other kind of connection to some kind of higher being. Could be. Mind. I'm not really open to that stuff because I am very like ones and zeros in my right. brain. But I still I still recognize consciousness as something really inexplicable on that level so if you're open to people do have those experiences i don't deny it yeah it's hard to deny anything that somebody else is going through because you just don't know like it's we only know what, what what's going on with us it's such a, a strange thing that's why i don't 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 uh dismiss what the uh, anti-vax parents say about what happens to their kids. I mean, I just, I don't, I used to think gluten, like people were afraid of gluten, that they were completely in their imagination. They're just total anorexics, just <laughs> pretending that they can't eat bread. And yeah. then I got it. Like, I mean, how does it just pop up later in life? But like, I got celiac disease, I guess, whatever. I get so insanely violently ill, unbelievably ill. If something just like touches it, I had corn chips that were fried in like chicken nugget oil. I got so freaking sick and I was like, wow, everybody who said that, I completely didn't believe it. And I'm like, you know what? When a lot of people say that they're absolutely sure something happened to them, who are you to say that? You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like, I just, right. I can't. So if other people, if people say they have those experiences, I am, I, I have absolutely, I think it is a, is a psyop for us to be told. I think psychology and sociology and stuff that tells you that you can't believe your own eyes or that there's like mass hysteria and you have this need to do, I think that is all crap to keep us from believing what we experience personally. Right. I felt the same way about um, something that's more of a mental thing. I, well, it could be chemical, but anxiety attacks I always my, my mother growing up used to have terrible anxiety attacks and 
I kind of just thought she was weak and uh, it was in her head mostly. But um, I started experiencing some of those a few years ago, a, a real anxiety attack. And man, that was one of the craziest experiences I've ever had. I was like, there's nothing I could do to, to calm it down. I ended up going to my backyard at nighttime in my underwear with my arms and legs spread out like a starfish. Did it work? <laughs> it, it helped a little bit, but I just felt like everything was just too tight and it was just there was no space for anything. I didn't even want my limbs on my body because I felt so restricted. It was such a strange feeling. Well, but, I had to say one of the things that I was going to say, if I had a superpower, what would it be? I was going to say like the ability to just calm down and keep things from bothering me, you know, because that is such a powerful experience. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it up though for a different superpower. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. So you got two in there. You snuck an extra one in there. Here's the here's what it is. The you want to know what in superpower I want? I want. No, no save save it. Not, gonna, not yet. Oh. Almost. We're gonna sorry. jump into it in just a minute. Sorry. You're so, you're so excited, Monica. Just the I'm six sorry. questions are so awesome. I know. I didn't mean to jump the gun. <laughs> um, I'm a segwayer. That's what I learned in radio. If I actually already have a superpower, it would be the art of the segway. Just move from one topic to another without anybody noticing that we've that we've accomplished the goal. Yeah, segway <laughs> is an art of its own for sure. Yeah. It's what's happening with JP. Tell us what's happening. Uh, I've got three topics today. Um, Harvey Weinstein is getting moved from the hospital to Rikers Island. No, it must that's be nice. interesting. What do you think about that? That's that's a pretty rough and tough place, from what I understand. And yeah, am I allowed to chime in? I don't know if this is. Yeah, a... yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, okay. that's for all of us. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm kind of waiting for him to die. Not yeah. for real, but like I figure he's going to move to some island with Jeffrey Epstein somewhere. But I feel like he's just he's going to have to die because I never really believed in the Harvey Weinstein. I figured he was in on it all along anyway. I think that whole yeah. thing was. Baloney. I like how you said you might have to chime in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know if this was, you know, just you guys. Like, no, you know, I, clearly you don't listen to our podcast, Monica. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't I don't always get past the half the halfway point of the podcast. I did listen to a few, but I didn't get to that far. Yeah, this is for all of us for sure. Mostly for you, Mink. We would we, like to hear the guests' opinion on okay. these stupid events that are going on. Yeah, so that that is pretty crazy. Uh I don't know what's going to happen to him. Yeah, I, like I think it. Anthony Bourdain might have been suicided because he knew the truth. I agree, 100%. Really? I yeah. like that guy. I, I really did like that guy. Yeah, you but look at went, I knew- Anthony Bourdain stuff, it, it's some serious, sketchy stuff there. I'd like to do an episode on that soon coming up if anybody wants to dig in deep on that one. I want to hear what you're saying because I really don't talk about it that much. And I just, I wonder, like, it's just a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I think there's so many situations like that that's going on where these guys are getting taken out and claiming it for suicide. And there's really something else going on, like uh, Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, uh, Chris Carnell, the audio slave Soundgarden guy. Both of those guys were linked to a a situation with uh, anti-pedophile, basically uh, things that were going on and some kind of organization with it. And once they started to get going with that, Ironically, both of them end up killing oh. themselves. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. There was for that for that Weinstein thing. There was a lawyer who Rose McGowan had told the truth about her experience with Harvey Weinstein, and she also died of suicide. 
Mm. Her name was Jill something. If you want, if you are going to dig into that, you absolutely have to find that. I'm actually trying to get Chris Cornell's daughter on. Uh, she's a musician now too, and um, I, I would love to get some of her take on that stuff because she's right there in the mix of it. And it, you think she'd talk about it? Because I think the families usually get super scared. Yeah, I mean, that's up to her. I don't want to put her in a, in a in crosshairs or anything, but that was her dad's mission that obviously got shut down. And it's just it aggravates me that these guys getting. Suicide is such a terrible thing to have, and it, it's such a terrible thing to go out yeah, with. Yeah, It makes you point. look like a quitter, and it, it's not the case when these guys are not quitters. They're taken out unfairly. That's such a good point. It's such a uh, – it's so disrespectful. It is. Yep. It's like the ultimate way to go out disrespectful. I mean, it's, uh, it's a great way and, to cover somebody's name. And I think that the – there also, I have a friend who's – taking getting a degree in psychology and he feeds me all these interesting studies he reads one of them is that advertising suicide talking about it increases it so the yeah. more they do it the more they talk about it the more they advertise it, the more they raise awareness it it's uh it's absolutely counterproductive so i i don't like it i mean that kind of makes sense because if if you put the idea out there and, it, and your name gets talked about you know maybe if that's what you're after and that's what you have to do. And people think it's doable. Yeah, it should to, be unthinkable, to, really. And I think one at one time it was. Yeah. yeah, I never thought of that. That's an interesting spin on it. Shameful. Uh, definitely going to look into that more. We're going to get an episode on that soon. That's going to be a sad episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you know, I have a note in my books. I did as episode on suicide after Anthony Bourdain. I didn't realize at the time I was like, Hey, unless something weird comes out of this Weinstein story, I'm just going to take this at face value. But it did. Uh, so I never recovered. I wrote a note to myself, never talk about suicide again. It's just too depressing. Yeah. And I was depressed for days after that. It's a hard topic for sure. Yeah. I just, I feel like it is <laughs> terrible. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> moving right along. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for something completely different. Back to the coronavirus, and I don't know if this is any more happy, but uh, it says here that the in the last 24 hours, 41 people have died from the coronavirus in Italy. Wow, really? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting spike. how they that's tested? From that's from today. Did they say how they tested for it? I I didn't read into it too deep. I'm just kind yeah. of reading headlines yeah, here. Headlines. Yeah, I got you. But I think... I, I'm just watching out for they're either not testing for it. And then another thing they came out with was that they're actually distributing tests they know are faulty. And that way they're going to be able to wow. mess around with the numbers as much as they want. But I'm not buying it. Yeah. See, now I'm on your side. I've also heard that just to get the test, it's like a 250 to $500 test. And they can't do it on the spot. They have to take it and then they have to send it in. And that takes time. Yeah, and I don't know why they can't do it on the spot. I, I had, my son had the flu recently and they took a swab and they said, oh, he has flu A, not flu B. They told me in like two seconds. I don't but know if know, it's too new and it's just got a different strain that they just have. Yeah, to yeah. Or I gotcha. So, but here's the thing that might be happening. Binkley brought up on today's show is, is this is a real thing that is happening. And maybe this accounts for some of the stuff in Italy is that the old people who are vulnerable to this aren't getting the kind of care that they would normally get, A, because healthcare systems are strained, and B, because everybody's afraid of them. 
their families aren't allowed to sit by their side and monitor their, you know, that's what you do. If you, if somebody's really sick, you should stay with them in the hospital room because people aren't really paying attention the way you would, but they're not letting them do that. So there are a lot of complications that actually happen as FDR, who I despise, said there and his inauguration, I think the anniversary is yesterday. There's nothing to fear, but fear itself. The fear is the problem. And mm-hmm. it could be accounting for those deaths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last topic, uh, it's kind of off subject, but a guy crashed a truck into one of the statues at Easter Island. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, I feel kind of bad about that because that's kind of a, it's a historical piece and they, they're really cracking down on just letting traffic in their period because of something stupid like that. Like he just smashed a thousands of year old pussy truck. It, it didn't say I was trying to find that and I was trying to find out who it was, but I, I guess it's, I don't know. It's just so unpopular anymore that they just let people drive their vehicles right up to them and hop out and take a look. If some... you guys really like to go off the grid with stuff, I would be so interested. I know you have a long list of episodes, but I would love to get some insight into how the powers that be these wars and stuff systematically destroy cultural heritage relics monuments from thousands of years ago this is what's happening in the middle east all the information who talk about forbidden history the kind of alien um in- injection into humanity from way back that's that's where it happened and even when people say that there may have been like previous civilizations like all the evidence is there and mm-hmm. that stuff is that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're allowing access to these things because they don't care or even want them to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. We'd love to have you on to talk about it. We can. Dig oh, in. my gosh. I can't do that kind of homework. Get an expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can be. We just want to dig into it. We can, investigate. We oh can figure God. it out. It's out oh there. <laughs> I hate homework. <laughs> but anyway, if I get a good book on it, I will know. Like, I love to read. So if I could just get something I could dig into, I would do it. I'll look for it. If I find something, I'll let you know, and then I'll come do it. Yeah, That'd be great. Absolutely. That's one of uh, JP and I's uh, biggest hurdles in life is neither one of us can read. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't do it. My, my mind wanders way too much. I'm two pages deep, and I'm like, what am I even reading? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, just doing right now. <laughs> just two pages at night, and it's amazing how much. You can read a couple of big, fat books every year if you do it like that. I, I have, but I have, like, literally 50 books on my bedside table because I only – it's like podcast episodes. I only get halfway through, and I'm like, I think I've got it. And then I just go yeah. on to the next one. <laughs> Yeah, we're both envious of people that read and avid readers that enjoy it because we want to be like that too. But we're both too stupid to comprehend what we're reading. Yeah, we it's a function of modern society. Your your brain is just it's like in little parsed packets. It's not no no long ropes. Yeah, we're just we're not too sharp. <laughs> you can say it, Monica. We we need grip with it. How would I know? I didn't let you get a word in edgewise. <laughs> 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 are you ready to go into the famous six questions that you've heard on all of our episodes yes i have because i usually skip to that part no i'm yeah. just kidding i never skip besides your podcast <laughs> it's your favorite you can admit it. <laughs> it it is i love this podcast i was very excited to have nobody ever i mean truth or theory like that's more up my alley than uh people realize and uh well maybe you realize it i always just trying to keep it kind of on the um, 
mainstream wavelength because I had the radio show, terrestrial mm. radio show. But uh, but the theories are are usually more valid than the official narratives. So you guys yeah. have got my number. It's fun because it just really makes you wonder what what's real, what's not. Are we talking to people that are just completely bizarre or maybe hey, maybe they know that a lot of guys have a lot of facts. That's yeah, makes a lot some, of sense. That's really weird. <laughs> we yeah. Have from all over the world with different perspectives on different subjects. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun to hear all these different inputs and, and subjects being dissected. I do try to keep an open mind. Yeah. Yeah, our brains are just completely open. <laughs> <laughs> Until they fall out once in a while. Yeah, we can't we can't carry it. <laughs> All right, let's start to six questions. Number one, you have the power to make one law. Which law do you create and why? An absolute prohibition on taxation because it is the source of pretty much all the power and evil that I see in the world. Okay. Let's do it now. Make that law now, please. <laughs> Everybody wants that law, but somehow it doesn't get passed. Yeah, it's part of the resistance plan. Number two, what three words would you choose to describe yourself? So I thought about this and I wrote it down ahead of time, even though these words, two out of three of them did come up. Rational. Kind of guess. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, you're welcome. Rational, <laughs> honest, and fun. Perfect. And super fun. That sounds like a cool lady. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> hit the on the head. I used to have good looking, but I'm getting kind of old. <laughs> you got it. You, you, it. you still got it. Uh, <laughs> All right. Number three is what do you want to be remembered for? I'll tell you, my, I, I say this to my husband. I'm like, this is what I want on my tombstone. So I'm going to tell you, man, was she a hard worker. <laughs> I think that was childhood trauma. My father just like, he just drill it into your head. Like you have to have a good work ethic. You got to work. You got to work. You got to show up. You got to work. And, uh, and I was always really lazy. And now I'm not lazy anymore. And I just constantly grinding it, whether it's like making every single person in the house like a hot breakfast or staying up till midnight reading about monuments getting destroyed for my favorite podcast. I'm putting out the <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you, um, I just had a thought. I just lost it. Um, oh, uh, so you're doing a, a podcast episode every day, every weekday? Every single weekday. It takes about each. Binkley and I spend at least three hours each on it because we read all the news. We try to figure out the news. And then we put out, we, we make sure we have like, as many, sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's little, but like a few topics, sometimes it's six topics and we just like hit it with something original, but we try to make sure we get like the top news of the day so that you don't have to listen to the radio. So it's every day, it's a lot of work and we get it out by four o'clock Eastern. That's awesome. Yeah, that it's, it's awesome. good to have a, an alternative news platform for people to go to that's not biased and, and it's just and people would email me constantly like, what do you think about this? I'm like, okay, this is what I think. I might as well tell everybody because I have a little bit of a different perspective than a lot of people. I don't know why, but I do. And, uh, and we just share that. And Binkley has great insights and tons of great research and we just make a good team and it's fun and it's fun to listen to. I think. Yeah. How, how did you, uh, you said, uh, Binkley was your producer for the radio. Well, he was just a listener and he sent me an email 
offering to coach me. I was like, what? <laughs> Who is this punk? <laughs> but I had terrible stage fright. So uh, I said, yeah, I don't really need any coaching, whatever. And then he just kept like asking me, how was your show? How was your show? He'd email me. And I say, well, I'm having a horrible anxiety attack because somebody made fun of me and now I'm crying. And he just, over time, just kind of like, we developed a relationship and then I needed somebody on the air for some reason just to like, I was pre-taping a show and I needed somebody to like read tweets or something. I said, I can come to the studio, read some tweets with me. And then the guy at the studio said, oh, all right, here's your badge, Binkley. See you next week. And I was like, oh, guess I've got a sidekick. <laughs> so, That's really cool. And it was great. And then we just started podcasting. We got along really well. And we have really compatible styles. And I bring like current events and libertarian analysis. And he brings like the deep dive and propaganda analysis. So it worked out. And we eventually started doing it every day. But it's a lot of freaking work. And now I lost my job on terrestrial radio just Saturday so I've got to start putting commercials on it or something because I can't even pay the babysitters now. Yeah, that's rough. But yeah, you're, it's all right. We'll do good, it. Though. You're uh, you're y'all gonna go far with yeah. it for sure. It's a good natural chemistry, and, and you both your voices complement each other too. I know it's really lucky. It's really lucky. It's just some dude who emailed me. <laughs> that's so crazy. Has anybody ever told you that your voice sounds like uh, the uh, the actress Amy Poehler? No, but my daughter thinks I look like her, and I'm oh, so yeah. brown, and she's so pale. Yeah, I I didn't think about the the parents wise, but your voice. Check it out. And uh, and the other one I get, I look like Tina Fey. Yeah, so you're a mix between the two, and they're best friends in real life. Yeah, exactly. They should, I should be buddies with them. <laughs> they would not come near me with a ten foot pole. <laughs> yeah, they're on the far left. Oh yes, and I'm just truthy. It's yeah. not, I don't even, I'm not even right or left as much as I'm just truthy. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no truth on the left side, far left side. It's all whatever yeah. they're being told, they all just kind of sheep together. Yeah, that is truly what's it's become. That's my opinion, I, not JP. So. Oh, okay. I didn't say anything. <laughs> That's why you didn't say anything. So I had to put that disclaimer in there. I'm anti-politics. Uh, I don't listen to it. I really never listen to it. I just can't stand <laughs> people that don't think for themselves, even though we're JP and I aren't the sharpest with politics. But it's clear when people are not thinking for themselves and just jumping on bandwagons. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't even care about ideology anymore. I really don't. I just, I, I mean, I, I do because some are easier to to uh, exploit the masses or destroy us or surveil, you know, some are better than others for totalitarianism. But really, I just, it's the, it's that it's a pathocratic, a pathocracy, like a pathogen. It's like a sickness, like our government is a sickness that's there to hurt us and take advantage of us instead of what it says it is. It's really crazy. So I just, I don't care if it's right or left, right or blue, they're doing it. Both sides are completely engaged in that. And mm -hmm. all the voters are diluted. Well said. Number four is what is something you like that most people don't know about you? It's quite possible that nobody knows this about me. Ooh. I love quiet. Quiet. I'm just the noisiest person anybody knows. And I just love quiet. When nobody's home, I just love it. <laughs> So I was like, what is there that people don't know about me? I tell everyone everything. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because so is, it's, is that coming from the motherly side of you? Having kids and just walking quiet? 
<laughs> it could be. It could be. I just like, and and actually sometimes, and this reminds me of my father. He used to say this too. Like if I walk past my bed, if I go into my closet or something during the day, it's like calls to me. I just want to crawl in and go to sleep any time of the day or night. Same thing about a cup of coffee. I see somebody drinking coffee on TV. I'm just like, oh my God, I would love a cup of coffee right now. Maybe I'm just sleep deprived. Maybe <laughs> getting a little crazy. <laughs> I feel the same way. So with the quiet, is it just for the the peace or can you do you like to sleep in dead silence too? I like that. It should be dead dark. I wear like a mask over my eyes. Like there's no light penetrating. But here's the irony, the terrible, tragic irony of my lot in life is that my first son, who I love to death, is has Down syndrome. It was very traumatic in the beginning, but I just love him. He's awesome, but he can't be trusted. So I have had to learn to sleep with my ears open, my door open. And the second he gets up, which always was the when the birds get up, which is even before the sun seems to get up, I would have to be ready at the slightest sound to leap out of bed. Like I thought for a long time that they would just find me dead on the floor of a heart attack, just leaping out of bed first in the morning. <laughs> Otherwise he would like pee on his mattress, jump out his window. Like he was a handful. So maybe I need the quiet because I have to like have all the doors open and uh, I had to stop listening to music and everything for a long time because I had to always listen for him. Wow. Little free analysis. Thank you. <laughs> a little therapy session. <laughs> yeah, I, I personally cannot sleep in dead silence. It's like torture to me. I have to have white noise of a fan or something. Are you city boy? No, actually, uh, no. I, I kind of grew up in a moderate uh, town, and then a farm town, and then kind of I kind of lived all over. So, well, my just, city cousins from Brooklyn could never sleep at our house because it was just too quiet. They couldn't deal with it. They need cars going by the window. Yeah, I can't do that. I just need something that's, it, it has to be a consistent noise that doesn't change. If it has like a, um, there's something sporadic about the noise, that would drive me nuts just as bad as the silence. I like, just like a fan, just blowing. That's good. I, for I read something about falling to sleep, like falling to sleep requires that like your brain impulses uh, become like maybe dead regular or just... I don't know what instrument maybe, but like there is some psychology to sleeping as the the um, the frequency of the impulses that go to your brain. So it might be purely scientific. That's, that kind of makes sense because like if, if it's dead silent, your mind wanders and that keeps yes. you up. But if you yes. have something crazy going on, then also your mind's focused on that. So you need something to distract you just enough. To yes, like counting up. sheep. I think that's what that's all about. Yeah. Getting that rhythm. I do that with CNN. I just go in there and count sheep. Yeah. Well, I would do, I used to do it forensics files. I would leave forensics files on to go to sleep at night. And my husband was like, what the hell are you doing? You give me nightmares. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. I got to stop doing yeah. that. That's how so my, was, wife yeah, my wife is. I read myself to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a quick confession. I fall asleep watching Cheers every night. Really? Oh, I love that Cheers. is so cute. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Everybody knows you. I'm, I'm too young for that show, but I lo I like it. I watch it every night. I fall asleep to it. That's, <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> what happens when the season's the series is over? You just restart it. I go back to Frasier. Uh, <laughs> I watch Frasier. <laughs> I feel like that's a sign of psychological health. 
it's a good to have something that I like. What does it say about me that I want to watch forensic files at night? I'm reading yeah. Ted Kaczynski's book. I mean, what the hell? You want to get to the bottom of the mystery. That's that's going to be like a, a woman thing because man, I know so many women that are they're big into that, including my wife. They love the the forensic stuff. Oh like, yeah, investigation. It is a chick thing. Yeah. Then I found out like so much of the forensics is bull. Really? Yeah. Really? Like they lie and stuff. It's messed up. I have a, a close friend of mine that's a homicide detective. Uh, he's going to be coming on. We're going to pick his brain. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ask him about that. Make it anonymous. Yeah. I think we'll have to. <laughs> uh, all right. Number five. If you could have any superpower, which would you choose? Your second one. Yes. Thank you. I want to be invisible to assholes. Ooh, only assholes? Yeah. Because I just don't have time for the aggravation. And if they just couldn't see me, like, I can do everything. I love to work, as I said. I like to clean the kitchen. I like to cook. I like to deal with stuff. I'll do anything you want. I'll clean your bathroom. I'll watch your kids. Just don't chafe me. And uh, I just find just I give so much headspace. Maybe it's that anxiety thing to just assholes that if I could just disappear to assholes, I'd think I'd be... 100% 100% happy. And is that just because of like the negative energy from those people? They get inside. This is what happens. They say something to me that's totally like I, you know, whatever. They want to take advantage of me or I don't know what. Like just every, you know, everyday things. People are all annoying. I'm sure I'm super, super annoying. It's hard to live with people, whatever. But like when somebody is a little too selfish or whatever and they're, they're trying, oh, this is somebody explained to me once. Any unpleasant experience that you walk away from with another person, it was that person trying to dominate you. They were trying to dominate you. And then when I walk away, I'm not really like that kind of person. I'm pretty friendly and open, and I really don't like that kind of conflict. So I'll walk away, and it'll weigh on my mind. You know, it'll, like, get at me. Like, I should have stopped for myself, or what is that person after? And then I've got to deal with it. And, like, the terrestrial show where I had callers was really – was must have been God's way of just being like, you know what, you really got to get over it. But I never got over it. Eight and a half years I did that show, and I just never liked the conflict. So maybe it traumatized me. Now, I got a question for you. If you could flip it and assholes were invisible to you – being from New York, would, would New York seem like a pretty lonely city? <laughs> I disagree with that assessment 100%. Well, I think they're pretty nice people in New York. I think they're really, really, well, when I lived there, it was a long time ago, and I grew up there, very respectful and of your time. And that's why they seem abrupt, is that they won't bullshit with you. They won't ask you how they are, how you are. It, they just don't do that. And I, I read a study back then. I know I'm going to have to start coming up with these studies because I say a lot. And it, it's all from memory. It was like thir- the 30 biggest cities in the world and how they were ranked for etiquette. And they did or politeness. And they had like they just had these like secret shoppers, I guess, drop stuff or somebody have uh, be on crutches or whatever. Who held the door, or helped you or stole your cab or any of that stuff. And New York, I think, was the most considerate and uh mumbai was the least considerate i just think they have a bad reputation because they seem abrupt but the abruptness comes from the fact that nobody has any extra time wow that's super interesting i 
I, you yeah, know, that's they, a they really get a bad rap for they just say everybody's just assholes, you know. But that I think it's just because they're from somewhere else and they don't they don't. Yeah, get it's it. culture. This is why culture is so important. And if they allow a lot like mass immigration of people who aren't here for the culture because they want to be in a really consumerist culture or whatever, you get a lot of misunderstandings. So when mm. I moved to Texas, I thought these people were completely disrespectful of my time. Why are you asking this chick how her day is going when we're checking out the groceries? Don't you realize you're slowing us all down? And I would literally do the math in my head. There's five people online here. Every minute you spend with each person, it costs like five man minutes. Okay. <laughs> you know? And I was right. just like, these people are assholes. Wow, that's interesting. I, yeah, I like, I like that. I like the idea of that. That's, yeah, you really changed my uh, my perspective on that. That's an interesting way to look but, at it. It goes back to you being a grinder, too. Yes, that that could be. And and I did grow to love Texas and uh, Atlanta. Actually, the best friends I've ever made in my life I've made in Atlanta, like culturally at the really fundamental level, even though I seem abrasive and people don't actually like me at first in Atlanta. When you start to get to know each other, I mean, my one of my best friends there, I was at a birthday party for the little kids and her. I was talking to her husband, just making small talk. And he said to me after talking to me for a minute or two, Oh, you need to meet meet my wife. She's ready to stockpile guns and move to Montana. And I was like, Oh, I totally should. And I am she's one of my best friends. So you have to scratch the surface a little bit of the culture, but underneath it all, you might be able to find like-minded, which is why immigration can work if it's free. If it's free, not not free like open borders and all this kind of with all this junk on top, but you can't have like welfare and stuff to lure people in, or you can't blow up their city and then have to take them in. You like my great grandfather came over from Syria with his wife. They had my grandmother. The wife died and he couldn't take care of the baby. So he left her in an orphanage and he went back to Syria. So he just couldn't handle the culture. So he went back and my other grandparents all stayed and we fit in fine. And I just feel like if you if you can crack the code on a culture and you went there voluntarily to take what it has to offer and it's sink or swim or whatever it totally works but if you don't get it it can people can start hating each other yeah that's cool yeah i like that <clears throat> all right uh, number six the last question if you can know the absolute truth on one which would you choose Well, I think I blew it, guys, because it was that human hunting party thing. Yeah. Oh, Monica, the spoiler alert for us. I thought that's what you were asking me. <laughs> I thought that's what you were asking me. But let's see if there are other ones. See, here's the thing about the conspiracy theories. I was really racking my brains, and I feel like I kind of know, I kind of know that most of them are true, or the ones I think are true are true. And I, and I, I try like I've ultimately stopped caring because these this is a pathocracy. They're exploiting us. They're trying to manipulate us into losing our rights by telling us these stories. So much of the conspiracy theory stuff is really their propaganda, their psyops, the stuff they're doing and lying to us about. And I just say if we drew a line in the sand and defended our rights, it wouldn't matter what the truth was about all that. Okay, now let me ask you this: On uh, what which which would be your opinion on on each way it went? If they came to you and said, "Monica, we are hunting people," or the other way around, like, "No, that's not true." What 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 would which would be your reaction to each? 
That's a really great question. I would be so, so happy if they said they weren't. And it would help me a lot to kind of just square away the possibility of like the true evil incarnate interpretation of how the world is working. Like that would be good. If they said they were doing it, I, my reaction would sadly be what it is with, with like this event to one thing with the coronavirus is that, or what it said in the beginning of the report from Iron Mountain, we don't even have to classify this stuff. No one will ever do anything about it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not doing anything about it. You're spreading awareness. I know, but I just wonder if it's, if like this whole internet thing is the simulation you're thinking about, that it's just a way for us to think that we're doing something. Now you just boggled my brain. I got to go lay down. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No, it sucks. I'm sorry. This is why my side gig is cocktails. I have a cocktail <laughs> blog. <laughs> now, just, I got one more question about this. Now, what if, which way do you side on the conspiracy? Are you, are you more on the side of you think they're doing it or they're not doing it? I, 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 I believe that chick. And, and it would make sense because they're like that pedophile stuff and the Franklin cover-up. And I mean, there's a lot of evidence mm -hmm. that some stuff goes on. I never saw the human hunting party, but I think they did. They do kill people who they think will tell. Oh yeah. You've seen, you've seen the documentary. Which one? The one you were telling us about the, the, where was she from? Berlin, the Berlin girl. Oh yeah. It was just an interview with her for an hour oh, and a half. There was yeah. nothing more to it. It was just an interview and she was like kind of crying. I was trying to, I mean, you can understand her. I'll see if I can find it. It's super, super dark, but I will send no, it to you. I'd like to see that. Not yeah, that I like that stuff, but I... I no, I'm, it really, like, it brought me to a whole new level of, like, I... What, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, they can have the earth if this is what they're going to do. <laughs> I just want to... I just want out. That's, uh, that's wild. There's some, there's some crazy, crazy, crazy people out there. It's a scary well, world. Let me ask you, I would like to know your answer to that question. What conspiracy theories theory would either of you really want to know the absolute truth to? Um, I can't even remember my answer now. I answered this uh, in our intro episode, episode one, but I, or episode yeah, zero, I would, really. I would prefer if you chose a new one anyway, so just think well, of what, what did I say? <laughs> I can't remember. Yours was to know of the absolute truth on if certain uh, iconic people are really dead or if oh, they went hiding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that one embarrasses me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a conspiracy theory I think I debunked. Okay. I do not think Paul is dead. Which one? Paul. Paul McCartney? McCartney, oh, yeah. Yeah. He is not dead. That is the original Paul McCartney. How did you debunk that? I really figured it out. I'm so proud of myself. I looked at every freaking picture of that guy because I like the guy who wrote the book. Is it Mark Devlin? I don't know who was it was. Somebody wrote a book about it and uh, musical truth, I think. But um, and I like the guy, so I wanted to believe it. So I looked at every damn picture I could find of Paul McCartney from his early, earliest days until the end. <clears throat> and I looked at his nose and every different angle, double chin, not double chin, everything. 
And the one thing that was absolutely consistent in every picture I found when it was visible was his five o'clock shadow. And it was absolutely unique. Hmm. And and you, you see people with that today? He has that today. His five o'clock shadow is the same now. Yeah, is that is that what you're saying? That's you. I'm that? saying that he supposedly died like at a specific date. In right, the 60s. in the sixties. Yeah. yeah, right. So I looked at pictures of him before that date and after that date, and I found pictures of him with a five o'clock shadow, and mm. you could see how unusual a configuration it was. Quite unique, probably as unique as a fingerprint, although I never heard that before. And yeah, I compared them. That's a that's a hard thing to duplicate. I couldn't yeah. imagine how everyone anyone would even think of it. Yes, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know that conspiracy, that's basically that Paul McCarthy, the one of the head the lead singers of the Beatles, died I think in '66 in a car accident, and it actually was supposedly decapitated. It was the rumor too, um, and then they had a replacement to, so the Beatles c- could keep producing records and keep touring because they were such a big money draw and a huge following. Um, so they think that Paul McCarthy was replaced with a double that's been living his life since then. But, and the documentary called The Mockumentary was great. Like, it was riveting. I mean, it was fiction, but it was riveting. I don't. I didn't even know about that one. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, so good. Where can you watch that one at? Is it on Netflix? Shoot, it was a famous guy. Like, um, you know, not Aaron Russo, but, like, the, his counterpart, you know, like, who would... Um, you know, he was making fun of the theory, but uh, I forget who it was. I'll find that one, too, and okay. I'll email it to you. Awesome. Um, what else do, What else can you uh, plug, or where else can our listeners find you? And well, are you not going to tell me your conspiracy theory? Oh, oh man, yeah, I'm trying to weasel out of this, Willie. <laughs> Come on, mine, man. It's a hard one. Mine is uh, the one I had chosen. I'll probably stick with it, is, is the simulation. Is it real, or is it... Uh, what what is the meaning of life basically? Yes. Because uh, if I knew that, then I I mean obviously it'd be a lot easier to live life and you could shoot for your goals better. But um, establish my faith with God if it is real or if it is a 15 year old who's gotten control of this whole simulation. We're just in one giant video game. I I had been toying with that as one of my answers. It was an I I don't like Einstein particularly, but there was a quote, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. And I thought that that might fit in either in your superpower, your conspiracy theory, or just to understand God's will, like to see what you're really supposed to do. Because I'm a hard worker, (laughs) but I just don't want to be working on the wrong, you know, for the wrong company. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so I can tell you, I can tell you my stuff. Yeah, plug away. Find me. Yeah. So uh, the overarching feed is the propaganda report, which you can find basically on any podcast feed that you, your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, the URL is thepropreport.com, and you can find pretty much everything there. I'm trying to like establish a forum there. It comes and goes because I expect to get thrown off of Twitter, like I was thrown off of WordPress and fired from my job and striked on YouTube. So good luck, guys. I try not to say anything too crazy. But what we do is we do a podcast 30 minutes every weekday or more every single weekday by four o'clock Eastern. And we cover the news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty and justice. And it's really people have said many times that if you just listen to it once, you're hooked. I agree very much so. 
I, I subscribed, I think, uh, yesterday, and I started listening today, and I probably knocked out four episodes in no time. And if you, yeah, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, people do say that. There's just something about it. It's, I think it's the pace. Yeah, it's a great pace, and you guys, like I said earlier, the chemistry is really good. The information's good. Everything about it is just solid. Thank you. And if you put it on times two speed, you can get through like <laughs> more episodes in that time. Shut up, JP. <laughs> get a lot more done. <laughs> She just talks so fast. <laughs> My brain works so slow. <laughs> well, Monica, uh, it was great having you on. I would like to get you back on sometime soon. Maybe uh, you and Binkley, that'd be pretty cool too. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, he's really got, I mean, just pick a topic or let him pick a topic. He'd rather do that, I think. And yeah. then, uh, and he'll just, I mean, it's so good. He finds this stuff that like the army war college or something puts out podcasts or YouTube videos. They get like 15 hits and they're like literally plotting psyops. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Like, and then he plays the clips. They're hilarious. I mean, not hilarious. They're terrifying, but they're like, come on. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep in touch with us and we'll, uh, we'd love to have you back. Oh yeah. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye, Monica. Bye. I got a bad feeling about this. There's no coming out of the rabbit hole. Billions of people.